if I rebuild it and don't think about how water damage could occur again, I may end up in the same place again. We looked at different tub surrounds and which ones would be the best because I didn't want to put toxic materials back in the house. And I wanted to be sure that insulation that was going along the wall wasn't going to get moldy like we had moldy insulation in our basement. So how do I go about that? And how do I put in non-toxic materials so that it's not just the mold that was causing the problems or chemicals? You are listening to the Manage Mold Podcast. This podcast was made for families on a health journey that need the real, no-holds-barred answers on how to create and ensure a healthy home. This show should be your launching pad to give you the information, guidance, and inspiration and clarity you need on your journey back to a healthy home. My name is Dean Malstead. You can find and follow me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Welcome to Manage Mold. So we're back for part two of the Manage Mold podcast with Julie. And Julie has just shared in the previous episode the backdrop of the story of her health, how it affected her, and what was happening in her home. And we are just getting to a point of kind of a mid-resolution where she has done some amazing advocacy on her own behalf. She's had some great support structure, including at work and in her family and some friends. And she has made some very difficult but important decisions to move forward with different things. And we're at a point in the home where we've been through an inspection and a first remediation and then a second inspection, kind of an offsite or kind of telephone or over the internet inspection consultation and then another remediation, a second remediation that follows us. So now we're at the second remediation and, and this part wraps up, and there's something that is still not sitting well with you. Is that correct? Yes. And so what happens next, Julie? So that's when I was in touch with a, an additional doctor that I had started working with and said to her that I wasn't sure what was going on and how do I pursue it, and she recommended contacting you. So then with your Instascope, there was just a few small remaining spots. The big pieces were taken care of. But there were still a small, a few smaller pieces that needed to be addressed and not left behind. And um, you were able to identify those. I was able to get the remediation company back again, who I'd come to really respect and like the work they did, just needed to get those final pieces of information to them and with them. And we were able to, to get that part of our lives addressed and taken care of and moved on to other parts of the journey. So... Can we talk a little bit about that remediation company, not specifically who they are, where they are, but can you tell me what a couple of the key features to their service or their approach to this that you appreciated the most? Very compassionate. So didn't dismiss my concerns, didn't ever treat me like I was crazy, always listened, worked with me right where I was at, had been trained to remediate to a degree that people who are sensitive to indoor air quality issues as I was knew how to clean and remediate to that level and it was good follow-through and good communication yeah when it came to how many people they had and how long did it take and kind of the nuts and bolts of it what do you remember about that second remediation at that point like how many days did it take them they came from farther away. So 
The team stayed overnight and because they were coming from farther away and were staying overnight, they put in a long day. So they probably put in a 12 hour day of working and I'm not remembering the details of each one, but it was probably a day and a half, two, two and a half days for the different remediations that we had. But we could still live in our home because it was basement mostly or a bathroom that was being taken care of. So we were able to still be in our home and continue functioning, except for the one was in November and it was cold because we had to have the heat off. So that wasn't much fun. But other than that, it was all okay. (laughs) And do you feel like they did an adequate job or on their setup as far as how they contain things, put up barriers and control the air? Definitely. And both companies that we used, I thought, did a good job with that, sealing off with the plastic and the negative air and the the fans. And definitely, I thought both, but the, two, the second one in particular, really very aware of of doing that right and well. Okay. And having read and learned and listened to enough things, I knew to, to look for different parts of that. But they already were doing it, so I didn't have to question it, but I, I knew what to be looking for. And when they were all wrapped up with that second remediation, at what point were you able to view what they did? And what was your first reaction when you saw the work site? The second remediation before you were involved? Yes. So did they, have, did they bring somebody in to do any sampling? Yes. I may have declined, though, thinking that it was as good as... As good as it's going to be? Yeah. And I'm kind of forgetting some of the details of that part of it. Yeah, because there were so many times and so many ins and outs. Yeah. So at some point they had you go and take a look at what they did, obviously. And what was your reaction when you walked downstairs? It was hard because we had a beautifully fixed up basement with full drywall and carpeting. And it was like a whole second space, living space down there. And the very first time it was hard to see some of those pieces gone with drywall taken out. So visually it was hard to see, but I remember walking down there and feeling such a sense of relief that this was gone and done and it just sensed and felt and smelled better downstairs. And that was a good thing for me. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Cause I had, I actually had never asked you that question. And the interesting thing to me is when we got our own home to that point, as hard as it is to see the financial part of it and yep. what happens, the time you invest into it, and then the loss of what you had, that you now choose to either rebuild or, or do something with, it was still relief. For all of us in our family, it was relief. Yes. And every site I go on to, even up to this week, when I get into a place where I know that all of the bad contamination has been removed, and I had one in this last week, it was actually a doctor's house, and she's been sick, and they actually took out everything that was non-structural from their basement. They had all kinds of old tongue and groove wood walls. And once once the foundation wall was exposed and everything was exposed for what it was behind all of the pretty that was there, it was extremely ugly. And you could see the amount of water intrusion and what was going on behind those walls. And I know exactly the financial piece because I've been through this. But the amount of relief I had when I went down those steps to see the stuff that had been exposed that can now be repaired so that they don't have to deal with that anymore. So that was interesting you share that because that I hadn't actually asked you before. Yes, and it definitely was a feeling of relief. Yeah. So then what happened after that point? Things sat for a long time. Financially, not sure what we had the finances to do, but also not wanting to make a quick decision 
Oh, we're going to put the basement back together. We're going to leave it as is. Our upstairs bathroom, by this point, both of our kids were out of the house. So a ripped up bathroom was not that big of a deal. That sat ripped up for over a year. Just because I was still, I needed to know that things really were taken care of before we invested in remodeling. Because having been through it too many times, I was reluctant to fix things and then have to rip it out possibly. Or we had bought things, you know, thrown things out and had to replace it and then throw it out again. And so I was slow moving on that next piece of, of wanting to move forward, making sure and feeling confident that we had taken care of things. And then tossing out of things is a different part of the journey too. I look back when we first threw things out and there are things that we got rid of that I don't think we needed to get rid of, but they're at the very beginning when I didn't understand mold is really making me sick because I didn't have that doctor piece yet to help me understand that. There are things that we kept that we shouldn't have kept. And there are things as time went on and fear became more of the driver. There are things I could have waited on. So that part of the stuff part, there's a lot of hindsight to it. But in the end, my philosophy became less is more. And I really don't have a lot of regrets for downsizing the amount of stuff in our home. And the things that we kept are the things that really were important to us to hang on to. Yeah. So, you know, I never saw your basement in the initial phases before you went through the initial remediation or the second. But here's something that I didn't give as a backdrop for everybody. And this is it's hard for people to understand who have homes that are in nice neighborhoods or that are nicely placed or that are nicely kept or where you, you nicely keep the inside. And what I'm going to tell you about, about Julie's home and what I think I know about Julie and her family is she keeps a very nice home. Their home is very well kept and it is not complex. There isn't all kinds of extra stuff that is in her way. Obviously, you might have done extra getting rid of things, but at the same time, like you said, less is more. And and I want everyone to understand that this home is in a beautiful neighborhood on a beautiful lot. It was beautifully built. The builder who put this home together, it's a very quality build. Julie, I can't remember what year this was built. Was it 60s? No, mid-80s. Mid-80s. Mid-80s construction, very nicely done, um, done to all of the specs of its day. But part of that was actually part of the problem in the basement in how foundation walls and interior walls don't actually mingle very well if there aren't the right components in place. And so I wanted to make sure that we clarify that this is a beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood that was beautifully kept. And if any of us would have walked into her home in the very beginning of the process, none of us would have pegged this home as being a problem for health. Correct. Yeah. So that is so common. And so that's, again, where you go back to your gut. If any of you out there have this gut feeling that, man, there's just something that doesn't seem right in my house, it's probably correct. And so you probably need to dig into it a little bit more. Yes. So what happens next in your story? Where do we go from here? My story just was... Not a linear path because I was learning along the way and I didn't have that doctor help along the way. One of my primary doctors was doing good things with me, but things still weren't working. And I brought up the mold topic with him and it was all new for him. But he saw the hopefulness of understanding mold illness and dove into it for himself and his practice. 
and then became a source of help for me in the journey of, of uncovering and recovering my health and getting back on my feet. And so that was a big part of it, of learning how to physically get well, but it was also having to learn how to emotionally get well and how to get past those extreme reactions to just a speck of moldy dust. Um, so that was the physical, emotional recovery that had to come along with the physical health recovery. So that's pretty important. And that's amazing that you find a medical professional that's willing to dialogue and have that discussion with you. Yes. You, you had so many pieces that came together, obviously, like you said, in a nonlinear motion and not with ease. And you were advocating this entire time to keep pushing forward to get to a solution. So you get to this point and now you're, you're at really a, a major bridge in that you've really, you've crossed over really from one place of understanding, one place of where your house is at. Now you're at a whole new place of understanding. Your home is in a whole different condition. And so now you're at the point where, are you done? Do you believe you're done with everything at the house at this point? Or was there more that you had to consider in order to sustain what you had already done and then kind of seal up better days ahead, so to speak, for better indoor air quality. What did you do next? So felt that all the mold had been removed from the home, and then it was time to rebuild our bathroom. And because I had left that gutted for so long, just not ready to, I needed to be feel that confidence that things were really taken care of. And had to come along the way of understanding that if I rebuild it and don't think about how water damage could occur again, I may end up in the same place again. So it was conscientious in how I went about rebuilding. We looked at different tub surrounds and which ones would be the best. We looked at then, and that's where Dean, you came back into the the picture for us and helping to, because I didn't want to put toxic materials back in the house. And I wanted to be sure that insulation that was going along the wall wasn't going to get moldy. Like we had moldy insulation in our basement So how do I go about that? And how do I put in non-toxic materials so that it's not just the mold that was causing the problems or chemicals? So worked at finding um, the least amount of toxic materials that we could. Not perfect, but do what you can and work with what you can. And so that was the, the final piece. And then just doing daily things like the vacuuming and the dusting and air filters and then just keeping up with what we have so that yeah, good air quality. That's from just my own of my, my end of keeping up with daily maintenance or weekly, monthly cleaning maintenance. Yeah. So I think a key takeaway for everyone here is this, and this is so important. We see, and we talk to so many people, they are in such a rush to get the remediation done, which it makes sense when there is that kind of a threat that you're living with, so to speak to your health or to family members, especially children, you really want to get rid of that and get it out of your house. Sometimes we see people rush into it without a best plan and the remediation doesn't go as well as it should. But then the next important thing is, and we see this often also, is the rebuild. And you actually took time to continue advocating for yourself, researching what would be best, with the backdrop, you're running it all through the filter of how do I not have this happen again? And that is the one key thing. If, if I could have anyone pay attention to something about what you said is stop and take the time 
when we put this back together or before we put this back together, how do we put it together differently this time so it won't happen again? That is so huge. And that is why you are one of the first people I wanted to be on this podcast because your thought process through this was so linear and logical in the face of everything illogical and not linear for you that you kept for whatever reason, reasons the people who were advocating with you, you kept on a mission until you got to the end of it. And there are so many people who can get distracted. And I wanted them to hear your story because you were mission oriented and you got, you got you and your family from point A to point clean and dry and healthy. And that's so important. I, it always perplexed me as I would learn about different reasons for water damage in our home. And it's like, well, why was it done that way? Why wouldn't you do it a different way then? And it didn't make sense to me. And so that's logical part of my side that would say, well, no, we're not going to do it like that again, because you need to rebuild or redo differently. So you don't have the same things because Sometimes I had to have people help me reframe the fact that they weren't really mistakes, um, that they were things that were built and done the way they were, because that's how it was done 30 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it was. And there wasn't that knowledge base or there weren't the materials to do things differently. So it's like, okay, now that we know differently, we do differently. That's excellent. So I would like you to come up with what does your heart want to share with anyone who might be listening? at this point. What's your top one or two takeaways or something to give to people? I think to to create a mindset that says to not give up, to persevere and to keep on going, to not listen to those people that speak hopelessness, that say it's not possible or that this couldn't be real, and to know that it is real and that there is hope and that there are people who are kind and compassionate, that there are people who are willing to educate themselves and learn something new, and you might have to be the one who educates them, but it's worth it in the end, and you can get onto the other side. There is hope to get to the other side, and hopefully through the work that Dean is doing and these stories that the process that people have to go through to get to that other side can get shortened up and not so long and windy. Um, And that would be part of what I hope for people by sharing my story is that their journey can be a little more linear and less windy and have those good resources to connect them with. I couldn't have said that better. So you've been such a blessing to our family and you probably don't even realize that, but all of our clients' stories come home in one form or another. They either come home as part of a story with me, or they might come home as a mood with me. One way or another, they're impacting my family. And you are one of those people in our life who your strength and your action ministered so loudly to us and had such an impact on us and the way that this works. And so I really want people to understand the way this works is everybody strengthens each other. So even though I come in at a certain point in Julie's life as a professional with certain experience, and then we happen to have the family experience also, which really is, it meshes well with these situations. And so we're able to connect with Julie and with others who are going through the same story that we've all been through. But the amazing part to me is for however weak you felt through any of the process, you were still in your advocacy and in your not giving up, you were still 
strengthening even us and our family and what you were doing. And that is the key that I want so many people with every episode that we do, I want them to take that away. And like you said, never give up. Take those voices that are against you and shove them to the side and and linger on those pieces that are true and that bring you forward. And you've done such a remarkable job of sharing your story today. I so much appreciate it and that you took the time because what everybody else needs to understand is all of us don't necessarily want to tell our story. You know, and there's certain points where we feel very uncomfortable telling our story. And so my request to Julie to be part of this um, wasn't necessarily easy. I'm not going to pretend I know what she was thinking, but so you all know at a certain point, once you've gone through something, if you can share your story with others, you have no idea the hundreds and the thousands that you might affect in a positive way. And so keep that at the forefront of your mind is that we're all here together and there are things that kind of kick our tails sometimes and make life difficult. But if we stick together and we, if we encourage each other and teach each other, there's a lot of good days ahead. So I really appreciate your time here today, Julie. I want you to come back. I think there's more that we have to talk about at some point, but this is so fantastic. You're welcome and thank you. So that's it for this episode. I'd encourage you to keep tuning in And episode 11 is not too far around the corner. So hang with us. And there is a lot more information and some guidance uh, for everyone who's going through a journey that's anything like this. And if you know of anybody who needs to hear these kinds of messages, absolutely tune into the podcast. We appreciate your help in spreading the message. We want more people to know. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to the Manage Mold podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on the podcast? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do three simple things. Leave a rating and review telling me what you think of the podcast. In that review, ask anything you want related to your home's health. And if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then listen in to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. This is Dean Malstead. Join us next time on Manage Mold.